Welcome again in worship. And in a moment, we're going to go to God's word. But before we do so, I've got a trivia question for you. Okay, 20 years ago, what was a word that was never used, but today is used more frequently than eggs, airplanes, and even the word death? It's the word Google. We can't live without it. In fact, this word uh, is so much more than just a word. It represents the most powerful search engine on the planet. Did you know that the Google search engine has the ability to search hundreds of trillions of websites around the globe? That every single day, there's a measured 5.6 billion Google searches that happen. In fact, this company has... Over 90% of the market share, Google has become so synonymous with search that in many opportunities and in many applications, it has replaced even the word search. Because now in our everyday language, when we talk about wanting to find out information, we don't say we need to search it. We say we need to Google it. Have you ever Googled yourself? I mean, like literally like, You sit down at the computer, you look over the shoulder, making sure nobody's looking over your shoulder, thinking you're a narcissist or paranoid, and you you, you type your name into the omnibar. Did you know it's called an omnibar? It's not called a search bar or a Google bar, an omnibar. Omni mean all. That's also the word that's used for omnipresence, all presence, omniscient, all-knowing. Uh, omnipotent, all-powerful. You put your name in the Omnibar and you use this very powerful search engine that has over 90% of the market share that can search hundreds of trillions of websites. It's just one of 5.6 billion searches a day. And if you Google yourself, you actually find out it's not that powerful. I mean, even if you have paparazzi following you, day and night. Even if you are the most famous person on the planet, the results that will come out of a Google search about you as a complex human being filled with hopes and dreams and desires and fears, with a history, with relationships, A Google search, actually, when it comes to people, isn't that powerful. But I want to remind us of something today that is much more powerful than a Google search when it comes to you and to me. It is a God search. And as we begin this four-week sermon series, we're going to take a look at four very powerful prayers Today, we'll begin with those two words, God's search. And as we go to Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, perhaps you want to grab your Bible. Maybe it's a physical Bible. Maybe it's uh, something that you access on your phone or on an electronic device. You know, I highly recommend the YouVersion app. It's a free app you can download. Website, it's Bible.com. You can go to, same thing, and you can really see not only different translations, 
but also have Bible reading plans, phenomenal resources for you. So as you go to Psalm 139, 23, and 24, as we begin this, again, four-week sermon series on these powerful prayers that begin with two words each, today is God's search. What we're also going to do is we're going to find out in this short section of Scripture that there are four prayers that you can begin to incorporate in your life. In many ways, many of us know how to go to google.com and we know how to type into the omnibar and search for whatever we're looking for. That practice is now familiar to us. We're using it so much that it becomes, you know, just very natural. Well, these four practices are things that I hope that you would incorporate into your life on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, in your relationships, in your decision-making, in your coming and going, when you rise at the beginning of the day, and even before your head hits the pillow. But in addition to these four prayers that I'm going to share with you that come out of Psalm 139, 23, and 24, what we're going to do is we're going to allow those four prayers to begin with us but then move out into two larger concentric circles that represent the type of relationships that we're in. We're going to start with God search me, and then we're going to move out to God search us as a community of faith, as a church. But then we're going to move out even farther, and we're going to pray, God search society. All using Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24, and the four prayers that we're going to learn today. So, if you have those Bibles, this is Psalm 139, very famous, very famous psalm written by King David. This is the tail end, last two verses. I encourage you perhaps even to read all of Psalm 139 today. But it ends with this, Psalm 139, 23 and 24. David writes, through the power of the Holy Spirit, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This, my friends, is the reading of God's word as we say every single week. Thanks be to God. All right, two verses here, four prayers. We're going to dive into each of them, and then we're going to move out in those concentric circles, beginning with this truth of God, search me and know me. And then second, it is God, test and know my anxious thoughts. And then it's God, see if there's any wicked way that is in me. And then four, God, lead me right now in the way everlasting. So first, let's begin with that, that first prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. And you think about the power of Google, going back to that, and how powerful it is. You know, people have said that an eight-year-old with access to a smartphone has access to more knowledge than the President of the United States did in the 1970s. The ability to search absolutely transforms your ability to know and to discern. And so, of course, this, this search bar, this search tool, this, this massive global company 
is used, like I said, 5.6 billion times a day. And yet right here, the psalmist says, not search me, O Google. It says, search me, O God. In fact, there's one, one alone that knows you better than anyone on the planet, knows you better than you know yourself. And in fact, the truth is that you and I, we are so complex as living organisms made in the image of God, according to scripture, that there is an impossibility even for us to search ourselves. There's things that, that we fall into. There's things that we do. There's things that we value that sometimes we, we look back upon and we wonder, why, why do I keep getting caught up in those things? Why do I keep getting drawn to that person or that addiction or that way of living? And sometimes we don't even have the answer to those questions. And if you find yourself today with some wonderings about you, not only your value, but your heart's desires, and where they come from. And are they really going to lead you to a life that you truly long for? There's one prayer that we have to begin with, and it's simply this, search me, O God, and know my heart. That prayer is a dangerous prayer because you are inviting the most powerful, all-knowing, all-present being in the universe. It's not a corporation. It is a cosmic God who longs to know you, who actually, earlier in Psalm 139 says, formed you in your mother's womb. You're inviting that God to lead an exploration, an expedition, a search party, a divine search party into your heart. It's giving God access to the areas of your life that, of course, God could have access to if God wanted. But God, in the way that God has made the universe, in the way that God has made us, doesn't force God's self upon us, but waits until we invite God in. And my hope is that right now, wherever you are, here in Los Angeles, in another outlying county, somewhere else in this state or nation or globe, that you would maybe just pause in this moment. That you would know that you're not alone. That you have a God who has made you fearfully and wonderfully. That you would pray this simple prayer, God, search me. And know my heart. to fling open the door and to say, God, come in. Do a search unlike anyone else can search. If we skip over this step, all the other steps that we'll talk about today, not only in the four prayers, but as we move out in the concentric circles of search our church, our community of faith, and search our society, none of those things will have meaning. You see, some people don't want to do the hard work of first saying, God, search me. We, we jump past that step. We think that we've got it all figured out. We think that we know everything that's going on. We think that we've measured up. And so perhaps maybe we hear some of this and we say, oh, uh, I don't need that. But let's, yeah, I've got no problem saying God search my church because there's some things that they've been doing that I'm not a big fan of. God search them. 
And we can leapfrog over that first step of God, search me and go right out to society and say, God, would you just search and would you just see, would you just expose all the brokenness in this world? Because I know exactly what that is. There is a pride and an arrogance and a hubris that can come, a self-righteousness, a judgmental against people out in society and a judgment against people in your church family. If you leapfrog over, if you jump over this very important first step of God, search me, know my heart. Because when you fling open the doors of your heart to God, the maker of heaven and earth, it leads you to that second prayer that David prays. And it's simply this, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Test me. You know, kind of in the, in the physical world, there are things that, uh, you know, break. I, I just had a, a laptop break because my, my son dropped it on the floor. And so we've been taking it to different people to test it, to figure out if they can figure out what's wrong with it. It can't turn on. We can't access, you know, files, important files there. And so we haven't yet found somebody that has the ability to test that broken laptop. And yet we're hoping that somebody out there can. You know, I, I had a rattling, I remember in my first car, a 1984 Volvo back when I was in high school, and I had no idea. I mean, I had no idea what the problem was. I, you know, I, I popped the hood because I saw people pop hoods when cars had problems. And I thought, well, maybe I'll see something. And I popped it. My parents weren't home. I couldn't ask them for help. And I, you know, I popped it open. I'm looking at it. I'm like, I have no idea what this is. So I called up my Dad took it to a mechanic, and so they were able to run some diagnostic tests on that Volvo. They had the skills, they had the knowledge, they had the ability, and they were able to point to exactly what was causing the rattling. You can think about this in every area of your physical life. The importance of testing something. To run a diagnostic on something to have a dashboard about something, to understand something. This second prayer of Psalm 139 is so powerful is saying not only God search me and know my heart, but it's God test me and know my anxious thoughts. God, would you do what God you can only do? As the all-knowing, all-loving, all-perfect, all-truth, all-justice, God, would you, would you test my entire life, especially my thoughts. I, I'm going to pull myself into the, uh, the bay of the mechanic, spiritually speaking. I'm going to turn off the key. I'm going to stop what's going on in my life. I'm just going to pause for a moment. And if it's more than a moment, if it's for 10 minutes or if it's for an hour, if it's a, if it's a day, I'm going to stop for as long as it takes. God, would you... Would you test me? Would you know my anxious thoughts? And there's great power that happens when you actually open up God's word and you pray these prayers. When you begin to read scripture and as you're reading scripture, you say, God, I don't want to just search scripture for what I'm looking for. And I don't want to just test scripture for what I think is good. God, I would want this, the living word of God, which is alive and active, as it says in scripture. Sharper than any two-edged sword, that this would search me. God, your word would search me. Your truth would search me. And your truth would test me and know my anxious thoughts. Anxiety right now is at an all-time high. 
for so many different reasons outside of us and so many reasons inside of us. There is one alone, the maker of heaven and earth, who can not only test, but can know your anxious thoughts. And that leads to that third prayer, a powerful prayer, a dangerous prayer, a humble prayer where King David says, see if there is any wicked way in me. God, you've searched me. You've tested me. And now see if there's anything in my life, in my motivations, in my desires, in my dreams, in my patterns, in my actions, in my lack of actions, in the words I speak, in my thoughts, in my coming and going, in, in any way of my life. Would you see if there's anything that is wicked within me, anything that is causing me not to experience the fullness of the life that you would have for me, God? Again, as you read scripture, as you begin to understand God's heart, as you begin to See how God defines wicked, how God defines brokenness, how God defines injustice, how God defines selfishness, how God defines unrighteousness. You begin to, through the power of the Spirit of God, have a, a conviction of our wickedness, a conviction of our sin that is within us. But it doesn't end there. This fourth and final prayer from this powerful passage is this, God, lead me now in the way everlasting. This is a present tense prayer. You know, this is not a prayer to say, uh, uh, God, okay, search me and, 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 and know my anxious thoughts, test them and see if there's any wicked way in me. And then, and then uh, you know, give me a future destination in heaven Okay, good, my eternity's set. Now I can just go live however I want. No, no, no. This is a prayer that says right now, in my relationships, in my home life, when I pick up the phone, when I make decisions, in my thought life, in my work life, in every area of my life, God, would you lead me right now in the way everlasting, You see, there is a way that leads to death and there is a way that leads to life right now. And we can't know that way unless it is God who leads us in that way. In fact, the next few weeks of a sermon series are going to get deeper into that one topic, that, that powerful topic, just as a preview Jesus says about himself. He says, not I am some way or a way or one of many ways. He says, no, I am the way, the truth, the life. And to couple that with that future sermon, it's praying, God, lead me right now in a relationship with Jesus. May I see that there is a way that I can interact and think about and behave and withhold and, and speak out and move into this world. God, that's your way, not the world's way, not my way. God, your way. So again, I invite you right now to personalize this. Don't move beyond yourself right now, but, but personalize this. And again, starting over to begin to consider, and you, you might need to write this down, to put this into practice, to make this a habit in your life, to do this on a daily basis, perhaps uh, 
through the rest of the month that we're in right now. Again, first, God, search me and know my heart. God, test and know my anxious thoughts. God, see if there's any wicked way in me. And finally, God, lead me right now in the way everlasting. I'm telling you, if you begin to put this into practice, you see, you know, to be the church isn't just hearing sermons, isn't just joining a service. It's taking Christ's teaching, which all of this is. This is the living word of God that the written word of God points to. Jesus says the living word of God is teaching us through all these things. And when you put it into practice, it begins to transform your life as part of God's people, as part of the church. Don't miss this opportunity. I'm, 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 I'm going I'm to wait for you here. I got all the time in the world. Well, not all the time, but I got a little bit of time just to say, don't miss this. I'm going to do it too. I'm going to join you this month. I know the stuff that's going on in my mind. I know the moments where I, I, I just, I'm confused even by my own actions and I need the reminder, okay, God, I'm going to spend time in prayer. I'm going to spend time in your word, praying, God, search me and know my heart. God, test and know my anxious thoughts. God, see if there's any wicked way in me. And God, lead me right now in the way everlasting. But when we do that in ourselves, it begins to humble us. And at the same time, it gives us a courage. It gives us a boldness. It reminds us of our identity in Christ. It reminds us that God forgives us, that God searches us completely and says that you in Christ have now been redeemed and restored. And because of that, I search you and I see these things as being purchased through the death, the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. So the remarkable thing is that when we allow God to search us, if we actually understand it through God's point of view, because God is at the same time just and loving, that God at the same time is true and filled with grace, then on one hand, it seems risky, but it's the safest thing in the world to invite the maker of heaven and earth in your life to search you, to test you, to see if there's any wicked way to lead you because God isn't looking for things to get you. He already loves you. The book of Romans says that he demonstrated his love to you in this, that while you were a sinner, while I was a sinner, Christ died for you. So Christ has already redeemed you. He has already made you whole. He has already purchased you with his blood. He has given you his righteousness. And so you are now in Christ. Complete in Christ before God, the maker of heaven and earth, the great searcher of all things. And yet sometimes there is, and often there is part of us, it's, it's the human part of us that still hasn't completely been given over to God. And so this invitation to search and to test and to see and to lead is to say, I'm still in process. I'm not who I was, but I'm not yet who I'm going to be. There's this conflict within me. So with boldness, I'm going to come before you, God, and say, again, search me and test me and see any wickedness in me and lead me. But then let's, let's, Let's move out, a concentric circle. 
Because you could take this same, same passage and as part of a church, part of a local community of faith, part of the body of Christ, you can do more than just saying, search me. You can say, God, search us. So let me paraphrase this through that second layer, that larger concentric circle that we are a part of as God's people. Imagine praying this. Search us, the church, O God, and know our hearts. Test us as a church and know our anxious thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in us as a church and lead us in the way everlasting. You see, once you move out a concentric circle, you can go through those four things that I've already listed, the search me, can move to a search us. The test me moves to a test us. The see if there's any wicked way in me moves out to a see if there's any wicked way in us as a church. And then finally, the lead me moves out to a, God, lead us right now in the way everlasting. And without going through all those again, I want you to imagine those four, perhaps you've written them down, you have them in front of mind. I want to read through just one section of scripture in Colossians chapter 3. Verses 12 through 17. This is God's vision for you and me as the body of Christ. This is God's vision for the church. This is the, the completeness, the wholeness, the beauty that is us together in Christ. But let me quickly say that we are not there yet. We're not what we once were. We're not yet this. And again, this is Colossians 3, 12 through 17. And imagine applying those four prayers with God's heart for us together when you hear this. This is Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves, all of you, with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, collectively, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And all of you, be thankful. In fact, let the word of Christ dwell in all of you richly. And then teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you all do as a community of faith, as God's people, as the church, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through Christ. And when you see that Colossians 3, 12 through 17 passage, and you just have that Bible open, 
what a great practice that you can do. You don't have to be a, a member of this church. You don't have to be on staff of this church. You don't have to be a, a, a leader or you don't have to be an ordained pastor to pray because you're part of this body, Bel Air Church, the local church. It's part of the global and historical church. You can pray as you see that passage. God, search us, search our heart. God, test and know our anxious thoughts. God, see if there's any wicked way in us as a church. And God, lead us as a church right now in the way everlasting. And to see how are we doing when we align our present activity as a church up to the authority of Scripture. If that is the, the measuring rod, how do we measure up? And again, when we have first done the work at an individual level, all of us, God, search me. God, test me. God, see if there's any wicked way in me. God, lead me right now in the way of everlasting. We come with humility at the communal level. And we don't fall in the trap, which a lot of Christians fall into, which is, <laughs> man, that church has got problems. I mean, I, I don't contribute to them. That's their problems to figure out. It's often we do that when we don't realize that we are an indispensable part of the whole. And there's no such thing as a we without me being part of it. There's no such thing as a we without you being part of it. And again, when you pray those powerful prayers of God, search me, test me, see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me right now in the way of everlasting, then you come again to this community of faith with the humility with an obedience to God's word, praying this, not to see how you can tell people how wrong they are who are part of the church family, but because you love the body of Christ, that you are called to this one body, this community of faith, that this is where you put into practice the way of Jesus. And again, as you pray those four prayers, not just for yourself, but for this church family, watch what happens, not only in your life, but in our life. And you get to be part of being obedient to God collectively, transforming us through the power of the Holy Spirit to be more and more like that image that Paul gives here of what we are on our trajectory of becoming. But again, it starts with us, it moves out to the community of faith, but then you can push it out even further to society, to the broader culture, to the world in which we live. Again, I'm gonna read this, this is Psalm 139, and I'm gonna paraphrase it, not just for us, not just for the church, but for society. And we can, we can come to this moment as citizens here on earth. Our citizenship is in heaven. That defines our reality here as we live out. We should be the best citizens on earth because our citizenship comes from a, a cosmic king, Jesus, the king of kings. So therefore, as we move out of the world, we can pray this prayer. Listen to this. Search us as a society, O God, and know our world's heart. Test my neighborhood. Test my city. Test my state. Test my country. 
test us as a world and know our anxious thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in us and how we do things and how we interact with one another and what we value. And lead us as a society in the way everlasting. Again, if you apply those four powerful prayers to society, and we begin with God search me and God search us as a church, we can get to that place where we look out upon our world and pray those four very powerful prayers. God search, God test, God see if there's any wickedness and God lead us as a society in the way everlasting. One of the things you can do, again, with scripture open and perhaps the newspaper open. I I think it was Bonhoeffer or Karl Barth, they were contemporaries. I know Pastor Kim would know this quote exactly, who often said, we need to have the newspaper in one hand and our Bible in the other. Often what we do is we close the Bible, sadly. We open up the newspaper. We open up the the news channel. And we get informed by, in some ways, we get uh, discipled by a lot of other things than Scripture. And we begin to get wrapped up in society. We begin to get wrapped up in the world. And we don't really know how to discern the world from God's point of view. And we can get wrapped up in it and not even know it. And the church sometimes, sadly, can get wed with the ways of the world. And a lot of people have a hard time telling the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian when they become one and the same. And that's what happens when someone stops being discipled by Jesus, stops allowing God's truth and God's word to identify what is true and what is real and what is just and what is our identity and what is our purpose in life. And when we close that up and we forget those things, we allow ourselves to be discipled by everything else in the world. And then we stop praying. God search our society because we're so wrapped up in it. I want you to hear these verses. This is 1 John 2, 15 through 17. It says this, Do not love the world or the things of the world. The love of the Father is not in those who love the world. This is the world system. This is not the people or the planet. This is the ways of the world that are in contrast and contradiction of the ways of God. The love of the Father is not in those who love the world for that and all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, The desire of the eyes, the pride and riches comes not from the Father, but from the world. In fact, the world and its desire are passing away. But those who do the will of God will live forever. You see, the kingdom of this world has departed from God's heart. The kingdom of this world is in direct opposition to the kingdom of God. Sadly, many Christians who live in the 21st century think that faith in Jesus is just a personal thing. 
We've actually reduced God's vision for society, God's vision for all of humanity, and we've reduced that to just a private faith that we can kind of off on the side privately have. But in actual fact, when we read scripture from beginning to end, God has a perspective on how all things in life can and should be lived. And there's this expansive view of what society and our relationship with one another, with God, with ourselves, and all of creation could look like when done God's way. The problem is we stop doing it God's way all the way back in the Garden of Eden when we chose our way rather than God's way, and things began to unravel. And so the kingdoms of this world have different values different definitions of truth, different definitions of justice, different opinions on how we treat people who are on the margins of society, different perspectives on how we treat people who are on the edge of life, whether it be the unborn or those near the end of life. The kingdom of this world has different definitions of what is worthy to be pursued, not only individually, but as a society. And as we begin to open up God's word, we have an opportunity to say, God, this society that I am in, that I'm a part of, would you search it? Would you test it? Would you see if there's any wicked way in it? And would you, This is something that I can't do on my own. But would you, God, would you do a transforming, a redeeming, a restoring, a reconciling work where you can lead somehow more and more of society in the way everlasting? Because the truth of what God's word says is that there one day is going to be a day where the new heavens and the new earth will come down and all that God has ever intended for all of society will be experienced by those who allow Jesus to lead them forward, for Jesus to be their king, for Jesus to be their prince of peace, for Jesus to be their all and all, and all will flourish as God intends. But Jesus has come right now. In that famous prayer, you know, he's taught it to us. God, would your kingdom come Not just stay up there, but God, would your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven? To be an ambassador for Christ? Just just think about that language for a moment. To be an ambassador for Christ means that your kingdom is from somewhere else. You're not an ambassador in your own country. You are an ambassador in another land. So if Philippians 4.13 or somewhere around there, Philippians 4.16, somewhere around there says that our citizenship is in heaven, that we have a lasting kingdom there that can't be touched, it says elsewhere in scripture, that we can here on earth move out in this world as ambassadors for Christ. Listen to this, how Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians 5.14-21. This can only happen When we begin with God, search us and test us 
and see any wicked way in us and lead us now in the way of everlasting. This can only happen if we see ourselves as part of a community of faith that is constantly laying itself before God, saying, God, search us and test us and see if there's any wicked way in us and lead us in the way of everlasting because apart from you, we're going to get it wrong. Only then can we then move out of this world, as Paul says right here in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21, and have this type of posture to the world, to society. Listen to this. It is the love of Christ. Underline that. Highlight that. Circle that in your Bible. It is the love of Christ. Not the judgment of Christ. Not the, uh, the shame that comes from Christ. No, no, it is the love of Christ that urges us outwards. It is the love of Christ that urges us on because we are convinced that one, Jesus Christ has died, not just for us, has died for all, for all of humanity, for all of society. Therefore, all have died. All have died in sin. They're all in need of a savior. In fact, he died for all so that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. From now on, therefore, we, we as a community of faith, as followers of Jesus, who have done this hard work, God search me, have tested me, have uh, know if there's any wicked way in me, of leading me in the way everlasting, we now, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So now, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything, everything has become new. In fact, all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Not the ministry of retreating away and having a private enclave away from the world. Not a ministry of rushing out the world and saying how wrong they are. It is a ministry of reconciliation. Bringing together things that have been ripped apart, broken apart, torn apart. This ministry of reconciliation, that is Christ. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to God's self. But even further, God now no longer was counting their trespasses, their sin against them. And because of that, has entrusted the message of reconciliation to us. So, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you, the world, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him, Jesus, to become sin. Even though he knew no sin, he lived a life free from sin. He became sin for us so that we might become and you might become the righteousness of God. So church family, as we begin this four-week sermon series, would we stop and begin to incorporate into our life a powerful prayer, a powerful prayer that begins with God's search. Not just me, 
not just our church, but our society. Watch what happens in your life and the ripple effects beyond. Let's pray. So God, would you search in the ways that only you can each of our hearts, each of our thoughts, each of our lives, and in all the ways we have gotten off track. Would you remind us that you love us despite our brokenness, that you did something about it. You came, Jesus, in the flesh to die in our place to beat death, to lead us right now through the power of the Holy Spirit in the way everlasting, the life everlasting here and now. So we give ourselves to you, God. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. And we say together, amen.